All right. I'm not sure if you are aware of this or not, but today is Palm Sunday. Uh, Palm Sunday is a time on the calendar where Christians for a long time have remembered when Jesus came into Jerusalem. And so we're going to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 21 uh, to have a look at that. And uh, before we do, I also just want to say that that means that this coming Friday is what's called Good Friday. Um, it's a time for Christians where we remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so we are going to do um, a live service just like this in the same location that you are right now. At 3 p.m. this Friday, we're going to do a Good Friday service. And if you're part of our church family, you may be missing the fact that every Sunday we usually share in communion uh, at the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. We're going to do that this Friday. We're going to do a one-hour service, a, a short, simple message, a time of worship and prayer. But I would also like to do communion. And I know you might be wondering, well, how the how is that going to work? Hey, listen, um, it's a spiritual thing. Thing that we do most importantly. So you might want to prepare for Friday. And again, just like this video, if you're not watching live, you can share with it at a later time. But maybe get yourself uh, a piece of bread for that. And if you're able to get some grape juice, uh, you can do that. Um, uh, wine, whatever your preference for communion. But if not, it's okay. Uh, but just wanted to make you aware of that. We're going to do a Good Friday service this Friday. Um, at 3 p.m. And today I'm going to send you an email about um, what our, one of our brothers, Justin Cook, has been posting about this question. Is there proof of the resurrection of Jesus? Is there proof of the resurrection of Jesus? So watch for that in the email today. All right, let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 21. Uh, today uh, to look at this story of the Jesus triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Now, first of all, I want to just set the scene before we start to read the story. Uh, this Jesus in this story walks from the uh, very low in elevation, very dry and dusty Jordan Valley and he walks up the hill to where there were a couple of towns just a short distance, just a few miles from the city of Jerusalem. Those towns are Bethany and Bethpage. You'll see that in the different uh, readings of this story. Matthew chapter 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12. And Bethany and Bethpage are just a few miles from Jerusalem. And so that would be about a one-hour walk. So it's about a one-hour walk. And when you came to this area... You, um, it was coming uphill to those towns that were kind of nestled in the town close to the Mount of Olives. And the time of Passover is at the peak of spring, so they would have gone from a dry, dusty place to a, a little bit of a hilltop where the landscape was just exploding in color and was a very uh, a lot of wonderful and pleasant smells. And you can see that to this day. And you see a picture here of Mount of Olives looking towards the city of Jerusalem. So there was about a one-hour walk down. And, and in this walk into the city, 
This was at the time of the annual festival of Passover. And the historian Josephus wrote about a Passover celebration around the time of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, definitely during the time while the disciples were still walking the earth. And he he, um, estimated, the historian uh, estimated that there were 2.7 million Passover participants not counting people who were not Jewish. So 2.7 million people. So when you read this story, want to kind of try to bring yourself into this setting. There's a, a one hour walk and there, there was, it's a, it's a pilgrimage and they had traditions about these pilgrimage, which included singing, which we're going to talk about momentarily. Uh, just real quick, I want to read the story to you. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 1. As Jesus and the, and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Oh, and also, I forgot to mention, Bethany uh, is where Mary and Martha lived. Martha, who was focused on the meal preparation, and Mary, who was at the feet of Jesus, and Lazarus. Um, they, that was their household was in this town. So this is a, a special place to Jesus. They came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them, two of the disciples, on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Israel, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble and riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of them and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and a people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. Then the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is... Um, an amazing uh, story, an important one. At the same time, it's an easy one to not put yourself in the middle of. It's an easy one to not fully understand exactly what was happening in this in this story and in this place. So I just want to try to let's fire our imaginations. Let's put us into that into this story. Hopefully, the pictures and some of the descriptions I've already given you have been helpful. Now, first of all, we have seen what a donkey's colt looks like, and we have seen the note that this is a fulfillment to the prophecy, which we see in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, What you also see here in Zechariah 9, verse 10, but also echoed in Psalm 72, 8, your king will bring peace 
to the nations. That's that shalom peace word. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Jesus knew what he was doing. He was fulfilling a prophecy and a prophecy that was specific. A prophecy that included that his kingdom, that his reign would be powerful, would be transcendent in its power, but also would be peaceful. And that he was a king who would walk with humility. Now this is an upside down, inside out concept. Because what they knew of kings was the dominant. What they knew of kings was the one who was in control. What they knew of kings was kings with military conquest. And here at this time, Jesus is, with riding on a donkey's colt, he's fulfilling a prophecy, but he is also telling them very clearly, this is not going to be what you're looking for in a dominant military conquest, conquering other peoples. There will be spiritual victory in this, but there's going to be peace. There's going to be humility. And look at this right away. We see Gentile inclusion. This is a kingdom for all people. This is uh, my kingdom to cover the ends of the earth. It's an amazing, amazing thing that we see. And what we also see is they're coming down the hill. We see the followers of Jesus. And this description, Luke 19, 37, is about as they were walking, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along. They sensed that there was something different. They sensed that there was something important. Jesus had predicted what would happen. He had told them what he needed to do. But also there was this, the meaning of Passover, the Passover lamb, the sacrificial lamb, the way that God had preserved them for death. There was an understanding of what was going on. And there was a singing, a passionate singing that was going on. We see also... Uh, the comment, John 12, 12, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. So this is a big event that is going on, a climactic event that is going on. And what we also see um, is this reference to Matthew in Matthew's account of the story, Matthew 21, 5, 8, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. That phrase specifically refers to the prophecy, Isaiah 62, 11, which was the messianic prophecy, a prophecy about Jesus, the savior that would come. The Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your savior is coming. He brings his reward as he comes. It's beautiful. What we also see is that they had this idea from uh, the Feast of, uh, of Tabernacles, the Festival of, uh, of Shelters. Uh, reverse that. Uh, but they got it from Leviticus 2340. Gather branches from magnificent trees, palm fronds, boughs from leafy trees, and willows that grow by the streams. Then celebrate with joy before the Lord your God for seven days. That's where they got this concept. And this is what one of those palm branches might have looked like. Uh, palm uh, branches had already become a national symbol. And they would have likely signaled the hope of Israel for the Messiah. 
Now, date palm trees is what would have been there um, then and still exists now to this day in Jerusalem. And that would have been the, the branches that they most likely uh, would have used. And it's important for us to uh, understand this. This palm branch, they had this cry, Hosanna. And Hosanna, the cry that they were shouting that you, you would have heard on this day, it's translated, give salvation now. And so they're, they're shouting to Jesus, give salvation now. It's a, and, but it's also a celebration. It had, before this time, it had become a term of praise. So it's a, a praise for the Savior, but also a Savior, this is what we need. We need things to change. Does that sound familiar? We need a savior. We need help. We need peace. The way that life is right now is not good enough. It's broken. There is suffering. So savior, give salvation now. Now this Hosanna was a term of praise and every Jewish person knew of its occurrence in Psalm 118, which we're going to look at in a moment. Psalm 18 is part of the Hillel, sung each morning by the choir that was in the temple during that week of the Feast of Tabernacles. They would sing Psalm 118 every morning. And, uh, and at this time period, it was also associated with the feast that they had to remember when they dedicated the temple, but it was also associated with Passover. So the Passover that was about to happen, which we see later in the story, uh, which we'll talk about on Friday, uh, the Passover, they would have been already singing this Psalm 118. Uh, the connection was so strong to the Jewish people that they even referred to their palm branches as their hosannas. So what we see in the references that you see on the screen is this quotation from Psalm 18 verses 25 through 26. Blessings, one who comes in the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save us. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The, and and look, let's look just a little bit more of what is happening in Psalm 118. It's, it's also prophetic about Jesus the Savior, the Messiah that would come. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This Psalm 118 is so beautiful. And you may remember it from its opening verse in the repeated refrain. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. So they were singing. It was passionate singing. Uh, some of you have been to... Um, in, throughout the world, they call it football. In America, we call it soccer. And a lot of times, uh, soccer fans, they like to sing. Um, and, and in Europe, a lot of their songs are actually kind of uh, uh, harsh, making fun of the players of other teams. And, and fans of the Portland Timbers uh, sing to their team uh, at, towards the end of the match, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. And this is, would have been a whole crowd of people lifting their voice like that, singing. Uh, but it wasn't mocking or jeering. It wasn't dominant or, or putting down or condescending. It was welcoming the city into this deep, passionate, thankful relationship with God. But what we see in this song is a recognition of what is broken in their world. 
a recognition of what needed to change, a cry for deliverance, a cry for change. What we see is a recognition of the fact that things are not good and what needs to change. But what we also see in it is a repeated refrain over and over. God, you are good. I thank you. Your faithful love endures forever. And that is what they were singing to Jesus as he came in the temple. Now, it's also, uh, and they're, they're waving their palm branches, and maybe you're out for a walk this weekend, you want to grab a branch and, and sing Hosanna, or shout Hosanna. I think it might sound a little silly, but it might be helpful to you. It might be exciting. I like the fact that John, in his account of this story, points out that many people in the crowd had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. And he, that story you can see in John chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 1. And that's an amazing story because Lazarus, who was a friend of Jesus, there in Bethany with Mary and Martha, had been dead for four days. He'd been dead, wrapped up in the tomb for four days, and Jesus did the miracle of bringing him back to life. And what John points out here is that at this time of Jesus' triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem, there were people, some probably walked from the town of Bethany with Jesus and the followers in, but they were running through the streets and spreading the news, this is Jesus, this is the Savior, this is the Messiah, this is the one who did that miracle, who raised Lazarus from the dead, come and see. But I think it's also relevant for us to look at what Jesus said in that story, in that situation, when he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, Jesus said, that I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus said in this moment. Here we are in days of suffering, noticing different people that have passed away, maybe being reminded of people that we love that have passed away. It can be difficult. It can be painful. But let's be clear. What this time of the year, who we pray to, who we're remembering, who we are looking to, we are looking to the one in whom there is resurrection power. The one in whom makes it a reasonable response to believe that those Followers of Jesus, they're not dead for us to never see again. They are still alive. We will see them again. We will hug them again. We will talk with them again. But not only that, Jesus, our Savior, is the source. Jesus is the one in whom there is resurrection. Jesus had predicted that he would be falsely accused, put to death, and that he would come back to life. He was going to prove his power over death. He proved his power over death by bringing Lazarus back to life. And that was what people were celebrating here in this moment. It's important for us to be aware of that. So here's what I want us to come away from this story with. Jesus comes as a savior with miracle power. The people in the story, they witnessed this miracle. They saw it with their own eyes. They heard it with their own ears. They heard Jesus call them to believe in him as savior. They heard him call them to believe 
that the resurrection power was in him and was possible. They heard this. They saw it with their eyes. They heard it with their ears. And they recognized Jesus as being the most powerful person who had ever lived. A game changer. Some of us right now are missing sports. We like sports as an activity, an activity for exercise. We like sports as a something to watch, something to spectate on. And I'm really sad for the kids who would normally be playing sports right now who are not able to. Spring sports are maybe some of the best parts of, of childhood. And there's so much fun to be had in playing sports. But if, you, if you've ever played sports, uh, of course, you learn the value of teamwork, of hard work, of being a part of something that's bigger than you. You get exercise, which releases endorphins, which makes you feel good. And I do rec- uh, recommend exercise at, at this point with everything that we're going through. But also what you are aware of is when there is someone who's a game changer. And some people think that LeBron is the greatest player, NBA player of all time. And I say no. I say it's Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was the pinnacle, the best NBA player of all time. And those of you that are already disagreeing with me right now, hey, check it out. April 19th, a documentary called The Last Dance, a series, a 10-part documentary series. ESPN has bumped it up to make, so that we have something to watch in, in April. And it's a documentary about Michael Jordan. If you think LeBron or somebody else is the best NBA player of all time, watch that documentary first, and then we can talk about it. Here's what I saw with my own eyes with Michael Jordan. He had the ability to change the game. He had the ability. He could make a choice at a moment. And I've seen LeBron. I've seen Steph Curry. I've seen different ones not have the ability to change the game. What Michael Jordan could do is he could change the game. And I don't know about you, but for me right now, We need a game changer. Mm -hmm. And it's Jesus who is the game changer. Jesus is the game changer. We need to be aware of that. We need to celebrate it. We need to believe it. Jesus calls us to believe it. So here's how I'm, I'm suggesting that we respond to this Palm Sunday, this story of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. First of all, you got to believe. And I'm not calling you to blind faith. I'm calling you to learn. Learn about Jesus. I put up on YouTube book recommendations. Unearth your doubt. Unearth your questions. Come. Read the posts. We're going to be emailing out about is there proof for the resurrection of Jesus. But in your learning, let it bring you to loving Jesus. You got to spend time in order to do it just like you would spend time to come to love anybody that's in your life. And it should fire up your imagination. Let your learning lead you to loving Jesus. Believe in Jesus as Savior. That's number one. Number two, receive Jesus as Savior. What a shame it would be after all that has been done for us to be able to receive Jesus as Savior, to respond with grace. Receive Jesus as your Savior. Is Jesus going to come into your life? Jesus had arrived at this time in history. He is now alive and he will yet return and make all things that are wrong in our world right. Jesus is coming back. Believe in Jesus. Receive Jesus. And third, worship. Worship is not just for the people who feel like they can sing. Worship is for everyone. It's important to your spirit. Worship God. Thank him. 
Identify the reasons to thank Him and worship Him. And worship Him with all of your energy, all your body and soul. Worship Him. Chris and Abby are going to come on here in just a moment to lead us into a time of worship. Worship should be a lifestyle. And last, our fourth response is when you have peace and joy from Jesus, you can bring peace and joy to others in your home, with the people that are in your home, with the people that you see and you're out walking the dog, with anybody that you have contact with, text them, call them, get on a, a Skype, a, a Zoom, a FaceTime, but tell somebody that you appreciate them. But you've got neighbors, you've got coworkers, you've got family members, you've got friends, and maybe they're not experiencing that peace and joy. Let's believe it. Let's receive it from Jesus, from who Jesus is, and then let's share it with somebody else. It's not complete. We don't have the same fulfillment until we share it. Hey, we all need a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. You can believe in Jesus. You can receive Jesus as Savior. You can worship Jesus. And you can share Jesus with others. So I'm going to ask Chris and Abby to join us now, and we're going to go into a time of worship. Remember, you can share this and all of the resources that we have available um, with other people. You, it's easy to um, share that, and I want to make sure that you are um, aware of that as well. Again, uh, for more uh, information on us, um, I post every day at benmalman.com, B-E-N-M-A-L-M-I-N.com, and also uh, cityharborchurch.com, our church phone number, 410-929-1619. We're available to schedule um, drive-up prayer times. We are um, available um, to you at any point. Um, and also want to make sure that you are aware that this coming Friday, we're going to have a Good Friday one-hour service at 3 p.m. Eastern Time uh, that will be available and just like this one is on Facebook.com uh, slash City Harbor Church slash live. It will be available for you to watch later. We're going to have a time of prayer, a time of worship, and a time of communion. Uh, hold on with, that, for, with us for just a second. <clears throat> 